haven't been with us, so hopefully that, that blows your mind, and we're, I'm going to blow your mind a little bit here, but uh, the Bible says that those who are in Christ are sinless, right? What have we been learning here? Throw up that PowerPoint. What have we been learning? We've been in this journey. This is not just like a sermon. This is not like a little series of sermons. There's more to it than this, right? The Lord is prophetically speaking to us from his word about the truth in his word to us. This is the gospel. Yeah? Amen. This is the gospel that has been so for so many years robbed from so many people who have been raised in the church that God wants us. He delights us. He created us because he wants us. He delights in us. And of course, when we lived in sin, there was wrath upon us and all that fun stuff. That's not fun. This is a tongue-in-cheek thing, I guess. But that God, even in the midst of his judgment, his mercy triumphs over judgment, and he has shed the blood of his son Jesus, Right? That Jesus purchased us with his own blood. And what we've been learning is that his blood is sufficient, yeah? It's sufficient, the blood of Jesus, to make us perfect. And I've showed you that in the word of God. That we really are righteous, perfect, sinless, blameless in Christ. Not because of our own righteousness, amen? But because of Jesus. Because of the blood. The all-sufficient blood of Jesus. And so we've been pressing into this to believe this. And as a result... Of us being perfect in Christ. God likes you. I mean, he always wanted you. But you got to understand, not every human being is, has a covenant with God. Every human being is loved and wanted by God. But not every human being is perfect in Christ. Now, now because of Jesus, now because of the blood of Jesus, you are perfect in Christ. And God delights in you. He's satisfied. The will of God is done. There's nothing, if you're sinless, how much more sinless can you be? If the will of God has been accomplished in Christ, which I've shown you the last number of weeks, how can it be more done? In Christ, this is done. Now, I recognize that this raises a tremendous amount of questions. I hope it does, actually. In fact, the moment I get somebody asking the questions, I got them. I knew it. See, when I was 16... A friend of mine, I mean, he wasn't a friend of mine until this, but I I got acquainted with this guy named Ryan Galvin. And he invited me over to his house after a number of months of knowing him and just hanging out and going to this Christian club. I ended up going to this Christian club. It was probably the best decision of my life, you know, and uh, got, got to know this guy named Ryan. He invites me over to his house and he asked me this question and a number of other questions, but I won't give you all the details. He just says, if Jesus is 100% righteous, what percent are you? And like a good um, Catholic, I was raised Catholic, and I thank the Lord for that. But like a good Catholic, I said, oh, like negative, of course. And he asked a number of other questions, and he set me up. He set me up. And he starts speaking the truth, some of what I'm speaking to you these last number of weeks, and definitely what we teach in Operation Solid Lives, if you've been through that, you'll, you'll know. And he began to talk to me, and I argued with him. You've got to know, I'm, a, I'm, I'm still a recovering skeptic, right? I argue. And I, and I actually like questions, and I like arguing, so I like it when people do that. Because if you just sit there passively receive something, you probably don't own it, right? You've got to fight for it a little bit, right? So, man, I argued. I was like, no. I mean, how can I, how can I, he's, how can I be righteous if I... Yeah, he can't, he can't answer that one. <laughs> and he would answer every single one of my questions from the word of God. 
all of my questions. That's funny, huh? Like now I've been a Christian for some 16 plus years and God has done this great work in my life and I've studied the word, you know, I'm, you know I studied the word and my goodness, all my questions right there in the word of God answered. And he would do it. He just walked me right through the Bible. Bam, 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 hours. I just kept, I thought I could come up with a better question. So I threw out another question. I threw out another question. I said, what about this? And what about that? And how does that work? And how does this work? And I thought I was gonna stump him because I thought, man, this guy's kooky. This guy's full of pride. This guy's walking around saying like, oh, look at me, I'm so sinless. (laughs) And I thought, this guy's gotta be wrong, right? Three, four, five hours later, the sun's down. I can't even see him because we're sitting this close. We're sitting this close apart, and I can't even see his face really because the sun had gone down. But we're that into it, and he's answering my question. He's in the midst of one of his long explanations because my friend is a composer, and so he's really into details. And um, maybe I inherited my brevity from him, but um, that was a joke. <clears throat> I know nobody wanted to laugh. Are you supposed to laugh when a pastor says they're brief? Um, He's answered my question and I'm not even listening to him anymore because I was listening to God. For the first time in my life, I started to to get it. Literally, the light turned on. I mean, like literally, light, bam, you know? And I realized, this is what the revelation from God came to me. I mean, it was like God was making it make sense to me, okay? Okay? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. But all of a sudden, it was coming alive in me. And I I saw Jesus on the cross. I could just see him on the cross in my imagination. And all of a sudden, I realized, you love me that much. You're worth living for. And in that moment, those words in my head, I mean, later I confessed it with my mouth, as the Bible says, and I was water baptized. But in that moment, in my head, I said that to God, done. What I'm saying is, the moment he asked me the question, what percentage uh, righteousness is Jesus, and therefore what percentage is you, and the moment he hooked me with the conversation, I was done. He had me, man. All he, had, he hooked me. All he had to do was throw me on the grill, cut me open, and fry me, right? I, I was done. But I argued and I fought until I got in. So the last couple weeks, I know, I know, the last couple weeks, I've thrown out some truth to you. Many of you already know it's true, but it's like hit you really hard. Some of you are like, I don't know about this. I mean, come on, come on, Dave. You're saying we're sinless in Christ, we're perfect in Christ, but what? I still sin. What about sin? What about my flesh? What about that whole confessing sin thing? What, what, what about my experience? What about my brokenness? What about the church? You know what I'm saying? Like, you're saying that. I've been to church, Dave. Right? Look at church history, right? And you're going, what are you talking about? Right? And I proclaim to you that God enjoys you and delights in you, and you're like... I don't know, I don't know, I don't feel that, right? That's not in my experience, so many people would say. That's not my experience. Is this, is this just an idea? Oh, I get it, Dave, I get it, I get it, I get it. So it's, like, it's not like you're really perfect, but God like, thinks you are. Like God has like, spiritual amnesia. He's like, he doesn't remember your sin. He's like, I don't remember your sin. <laughs> just kidding. I'm infinite, I know everything. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you I don't remember your sin. <laughs> and I think most of us think God is playing a cruel joke on us. I don't remember your sin. Not really, right? I call you right. This is, I've, heard, I've heard preachers preach this. God, you're not really righteous, but God says that you are. I have a word for that. Does anyone want to guess? Liar! Yeah! <laughs> Thank you! Thank you! Yes, they're calling God a liar. Thank you. Okay, so here's the question. Is it really true? That in Christ, not because of you, 
Okay, we all know that. By the blood of Jesus, are you really sinless? Is it really true? Well, then how can that be? And all those questions you have, I'm going to try to answer. Romans chapter 1. We're going to, I'm, going to, I'm going to walk you through Romans. If you've taken OSL, this is a crash course. If you haven't taken OSL, it's a crash course. But either way, I'm going to just try to answer your questions real simple like. So, Father, I ask that you would break into our hearts, answer the questions of our hearts, convince us, and awaken childlike faith that we would really believe this is true. But more than that, I pray that the fruit of this would transform us, our community, our church, our community, the nations. Father, we ask you this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so Romans chapter 1. Listen to this verse here in verse 16. Romans 1, verse 16. Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it, the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. So Paul says that the gospel is the power of God to save and transform every person who believes, who puts their trust in what the gospel says. Why? Why is the gospel the power of God to save? Why? He says, because for in it, in the gospel, the gospel is the revelation of the righteousness of God. You don't want to think like in terms of just like, oh, see, there's the righteousness. No, no, no. It's the inbreaking of God's righteousness on earth. Here's the answer to the question, how does this work? And then I'm going to like unpack it. I'm going to give you like the biological chemistry physics of the kingdom answer today. Okay, here it is right here. If you want to get righteousness on the earth, God wants to get righteousness on the earth. What do you do? Okay, you're God. What do you do? And here's what God, in his brilliant wisdom, chose to do. You plant a righteousness seed. You want to get righteousness on the earth. You want to get righteousness on the earth. You want to see human beings who are rebellious, demonized, poisoned by sin, separated from God, dead, destroying each other. You want to see your world that you created made whole, restored, righteousness and justice filling the earth, human trafficking, poverty, ended, right? Okay, how do you do it? God is so smart. The way you do it is not to get the machine guns and come down on your glorious burning white horse with your sword in your mouth and kill everyone at first. No, the point, the goal, or the plan is simply this. To get righteousness on the earth, to get righteousness fruit on the earth, you plant a righteousness seed. And What happens once there is a righteousness seed planted on the earth? You won. Because once there's a seed, it will produce fruit of righteousness, Right? So what has God done? Right here, Paul is saying that the gospel, the word of God coming to you and me, is the seed. And in that seed is contained what Paul says, righteousness, God's righteousness. And so God has chosen that he would plant a righteousness seed in the preaching of the gospel to you and me, and that that righteousness seed would produce righteousness, transforming human beings and transforming the world. Okay, so the answer to your question, I know you're like, I, I still don't, know how you're answering my question yet how does this work think seed and fruit okay got it think seed and fruit you plant a righteousness seed you get righteousness fruit that is the answer of how this works listen let me say it this way i'm going to totally explain this listen 
telling a human being to be holy if they're not is like telling a man with no legs to walk. It's impossible and cruel. And so much of religion, so much of what has been presented as Christianity, robs the cross of its significance and power and tells people to be holy without telling them that they're holy. What has God done? We've seen it in Hebrews 2 the last couple weeks. You can be holy simply and only because you already are. Telling a Christian to be like Christ without Christ is like telling a frog to fly. You can't do it. And so what does God need to do? If he's going to get his righteousness on the earth, in your life, in my life, in our church, in communities of believers gathering together in the city, in the nations, like he wants to do, what is he going to have to do? Plant a righteousness seed so that we've already learned we are becoming who we already are. The fruit is simply the manifestation of the seed. Amen? Okay, watch. So I'm going to go through this kind of quick here. Lord, help us. So in Genesis 2, in Genesis 2 it says this. 2-7. You don't have to, just, just we're going to bust it up here. 2-7. The Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and, um, and, um, and man became a living being. Watch what, the, watch what this looks like. So God takes d- dust and makes a human being. So we are, we're, we have a physical body, right? We have this physical body. And then God literally takes of his own breath. Literally the word is spirit, ruach. And he breathes the breath of ruach, the, I mean the, 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 the ruach of life, the breath of God into our very beings. And what is the result? We become a living being or literally soul. Okay? There's multiple places in the scriptures that explain to us that we are, we are a spirit. We're made in the image of God. God is a spirit. We are spirit beings. At the very essence, at the core of our being, we are spirit beings. Now we have a body. A physical body that was not evil, was not created evil, but was made good and perfect before the fall. And God took a human body that he made out of dirt and he breathed his spirit. Your spirit is the essence of God on the inside of you. It's the essence of who he is. It's the part of God that is is dwelling inside of you. But he literally gave you a part of his spirit and made you spirit. And that part of you is the, the light, it's, it's my life connected to the life of God. Your spirit connected to God's spirit bringing you life. And your spirit then causing you to have a soul. So we are a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a body. Okay? A little, little, little bit of biology, you know, kingdom biology here. That's really who you are. You are a spirit. Now don't think, don't think concentric circles. That's just the saddest thing in the whole world that's happened. Don't think concentric circles. Like, here's my spirit, here's my soul, here's my body. That's lame. No, think interwoven, integrated, webbed being. Your whole spiritual body intertwined and interconnected. You can't really separate it. Hebrews chapter 4 describes your soul and your spirit like bone and marrow. The spirit is the marrow of the bone. Just like the spirit... 
I'm sorry, just like marrow is in a bone and is hidden in the bone and cannot be seen and is the essence of the bone in some ways. <clears throat> Natalie can correct me later. <laughs> just, like, just like that, your spirit is actually on the inside of your soul. Your spirit is the hidden person inside your soul. They're intertwined and interconnected and one is, in the, is the essence of the other. And so in a sense, that's where kind of the concentric circle kind of idea came out because there is a sense of your spirit is literally your source to God, your core, your being, your essence. And then from that, you have this soul and your soul basically is made up your mind, will, emotions, throw in conscience, throw in whatever else dynamic. It's, I mean, come on, it's where we get our word psychology is the word for soul, suke, psychology. And what do you do in psychology? You look at your emotions, you look at your cognitive behavior your brain we look at chemicals now we look at this we look at that but because we're totally integrated and intertwined that's why emotional issues cause problems in your physical body and vice versa and etc that's why science can actually measure these things right it's not like science proves we're not a spiritual being it's the exact opposite right so we are spirit we have a soul body uh, 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 and then we have this body what happened at the fall okay some of you are like I, I got this dave right yeah 101 here at the fall, when we sinned against God, our spirit died. So imagine your spirit, which is the essence of God in you, and your connector point to God, died, and you were severed from the life of God. What happened? It caused everything else to die. So that your soul and your body and our relationships and our world is affected, right? Did you know that we were supposed to live from our spirit outward from the essence of who god is we were to we were created in the world to have relationship with god and each other and for rulership relationship and rulership right and we were created in that that you would live from the inside out from the essence of god which would include morality but also creativity and all those different dynamics to live from the inside out what happened when that was severed? See, your soul is the medium between your spirit and your body and into the world. What are you hearing right now? You're hearing words that are coming over what? My vocal cords, which are part of my physical body, yes? My, but, but where does that all come from? Doesn't that come from my thoughts? As a man thinks, therefore he is, right? So there is something about your soul, which is the medium between your spirit, what's going on in you, and what's going on on the outside of you. The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, out of the abundance of your heart flow all the issues of your life right every your soul is the medium so what happens when your spirit was disconnected from god it fractured and poisoned and destroyed your soul mind will emotions conscience etc etc and that affected our relationships which caused brokenness in the world where is all the injustice and brokenness flowing from in our world us you know, what about earthquakes, tornadoes, all that kind of stuff? Yeah, the Bible says in Romans chapter 8 that that is an effect of the fall. I don't know how it all gets integrated, though I could probably give it a shot, but we won't today. The whole thing comes from sin. Demons are a part of this. They're poking at the soul, and there is a brokenness. Here's the illustration. If you pollute the source of the spring, everything else gets polluted, right? The source of the spring is polluted. Your spirit and my spirit outside of Christ, dead, polluted, and everything else from that then polluted. So demonic and sin and my own human rebellion, foolishness, lack of wisdom, all that kind of stuff, brokenness, sin done to you, sin that you've done, people hurting you, you know, upbringing, all that kind of stuff, brokenness. God says, I want to get righteousness on the earth. I want to get righteousness on the earth. I want to heal humanity, right? 
He hates sin, but I, I want, he wants to deal with it. And so he can restore people to himself, restore people to each other, restore people to their calling, right? Partnership, rulership with God. He wants to restore, restore the world. And he will, amen? All right, so for example here, Romans chapter 5, 12 says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, thus death spread to all men because all sinned, right? Okay, that's what I just explained here. If you pollute the source, everything else gets polluted. So what does God do? Romans 3. Look at Romans 3 here. We'll just pop it right up here. Romans 3. But now, everyone say, but now. now. It's talking about because Jesus died and rose again. But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation, big word, by his blood, through faith, to demonstrate his righteousness, because in his forbearance God had passed over the sins that were previously committed, to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. This is what actually sold me, I guess, when I was 16. And this is what I was bringing up even in this last kind of series. The fact that the cross tells me how bad sin really is. Because God had to become a human being, bear his, my, uh, my sin in his body, and take the wrath of God. That's what propitiation means. It means that Jesus died the death that I deserved to die. I deserved to die and be separated from God in eternal hell burning like a fire for eternity, Jesus took my place. He bore my sin. He paid the price. The debt has been paid. That's what propitiation means. By his blood. And what I've been trying to convince you of is the sufficiency of that blood sacrifice. That the sin is forgiven. The debt has been paid. There's no more wrath. It's done. The will of God is done. And so that God can both be just and the justifier, meaning that he's righteous in the fact that somebody paid the price and he's the justifier because he gets to show mercy. But listen, on all who believe. Notice that in verse 21, it's, or verse 22, it says, even the righteousness of God through faith, through faith, right? On all, to all, and on all who do what? Believe, right? How does the righteousness come? It said in Romans 1, by faith. What does he say? Verse 26, just and the justifier for the one who has faith. Okay, you have to understand that the blood is the cure. Do you realize that Jesus died once for all? That means for all of our sins, past, present, and future, praise God, right? But also for the whole world. The price has been paid. Do you, re- do you think that some human being is going to be born and that Jesus will have to die again? No, he paid the price once for all, satisfied the wrath of God. And God wanted him to do this, right? And so the, the, the debt's paid. For he has died for every single human being on the face of the earth. But not everyone knows him. Not everyone has a covenant with God. Not everyone is perfect in Christ. Why is that? Well, it all goes back to the issue here. There has been a disease called sin. And people say, well, isn't that kind of narrow-minded? Well, not if there's only one cure. There's only one way. There's only one cure. There's only one hope. And it can't come from the inside of me. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I have been diseased by sin and everything in me has been compromised. I've been cut off from the life of God and I need a cure from the outside of me. From the outside. And that is the grace of God. That Jesus is the cure. So Jesus is the cure. The price has been paid. The blood is sufficient. But what receives it? Faith. Faith. 
You've got to receive the cure. You've got to take the treatment. You've got to receive the gift and let it be appropriated. Okay, so faith is a really big deal. We could go on about that, but I think you've got that. But watch, turn to Romans 8. Romans 8 here. Romans 8 verse 9, either up here or in your Bibles. Look at this. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. In you. Let me explain this really simply. So if Jesus paid the price and your faith, just simply you saying, okay, your faith receives the gift, who appropriates the blood of Jesus into your life? The Holy Spirit. It says here, if the Spirit of God does not dwell in you, you don't belong to Jesus. But if he dwells in you, your body, still dead, Okay? That's why there's still sickness, even though we can pray for him and see it healed, but there's still sickness and people still die physically. But what does it say is going on in your spirit? <clears throat> it says, and, and here it's interesting because there's a capital S here. It says, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also, oh, go, go to the verse before it. If Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit, it's not referring to the Holy Spirit there. It's referring to your spirit. You just read it in context. Your body is dead, but your spirit is life, is alive because of righteousness. Let me tell you what happened. What happened was this. God's Spirit took of the finished work of the cross, the blood that was shed, and He came and He came into you, into your spirit. All right, throw up 1 Corinthians 6 real quick. 1 Corinthians 6. But he who is joined to the Lord is what? One spirit with him. Okay, what did Jesus say in John chapter 3? You remember John chapter 3? He said, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. What does it mean to be born again? What does it mean to be born of the spirit? He says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. Okay? You get born by a woman like all of us, right? We all came into the world through a woman. Born of the flesh is flesh. But Jesus says that which is born of the Spirit is what? Spirit. He's referring to the fact that the Holy Spirit came inside of you. <clears throat> I better put this down because I'm going to get kind of crazy here. Roll up my sleeves, going to town. Why well, you understand here? The Holy Spirit came inside of you, and because... Because Jesus has shed the blood, he appropriates the blood of Jesus and makes you righteous, completely forgiven, takes away all of your sin, okay? Sinless, perfect in Christ. And he literally appropriates it. And Romans 8 says, your spirit is life because of what? Righteousness. So the righteousness of Christ, literally the character of Christ comes into you and takes away your sin and makes you, the Bible says, born again, regenerated, alive. Why is this? Because Jesus' spirit 
and your spirit become one, and he reconnects you to God. But here's the thing. This isn't like going backwards to the original creation. This isn't just like, yay, I'm, bo- I'm, I'm alive again, like back in Genesis chapter 2. No, 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 no. Christ is in you. Christ's righteousness. It's literally like his DNA has come and intertwined with your DNA, spiritually speaking. Your spirit DNA and his spirit DNA has literally come in and intertwined like in that Spider-Man movie and you are no longer just a mere human being. The Bible says this. I'm not making this up. You are not a mere human being. You are now a spirit person. Literally, the Bible calls you a pneumatikas. means spirit person. A spirit one. It doesn't mean, oh, I'm so spiritual because I don't sin. No, it means because of the grace of God, you've been born again, resurrected. Do you realize? Yeah. Do you realize that on the inside of you, Christ is living in you, and his life and your life have been intertwined, and you were born again, you were alive, and his righteousness has infused you, his sinlessness. If Jesus is sinless and he's in you, you are sinless his sinlessness his righteousness his perfection his power his character in you how is this real how can this happen because of the spirit it really is what i'm saying is it's real this is not an idea this is not an idea literally his righteousness has been accredited to your account because his spirit has come into you and appropriated the finished work of the cross. And so really, literally, concretely, in a deeply spiritual way, your spirit is alive, reconnected to God. You are reconnected now to the essence of your creator. And the life of Christ, the resurrection life, the power of the resurrection living on the inside of you. This is insane because we have diminished the implications of this. Of course he delights in you. Of course you can do anything through Christ who strengthens you. Of course the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ. Of course the favor of God is upon your life. Why? Oh, but I've sinned. Get up. It's Jesus' righteousness. It's Jesus' righteousness in you. And that's the only basis for you to stand before God with confidence and boldness and know that you are delighted in and enjoyed. What I'm saying is this is not an idea. This is a concrete reality. This really happened. When you put your faith in Jesus, in fact, there's a story in John chapter 20. When Jesus appears, it is, it is the first Easter. It is the first Easter. The first resurrection Sunday. He appears to the disciples, 11 of them. Thomas wasn't there. And, it, and he comes to them and he breathes on them. And he says what? Receive the Spirit, it's Genesis 2 all over again. Right there, those disciples were born again because Jesus breathed his spirit into them. Every, t- every human being, whether you are two minutes old in Jesus or 200 years old in Jesus, when you put your trust in Jesus, the spirit of God came inside of you and God breathed his spirit back into you. And you were literally intertwined with the spirit his righteousness was imparted to you and you came alive. This is true. Amen? This is why in 2 Corinthians 5, it says you are now a new creation. Do you know that the word new creation literally means new cosmos? Now we saw in Romans 8 that one day we're going to get a glorified body. I love it. My son just told me this the other day. He's like, Dad, is it true that when we go to heaven, we get like a, 
like a like a body that's like like Jesus or something. He said something really cool, and I was like, yes, it's so true. But he has, I, I always I talk, I talk to him about what what's going to be. I tell him when Jesus comes, when Jesus comes, everything will be made right. There will be a new heaven and earth. I talk to him about the realities of eternity, and I say, but right now, right now, it says that that we one day there'll be a new heaven and new earth. Right? Heaven is coming down to earth. The restoration of all things. It's a new cosmos, okay? A new world. New creation. And that Holy Spirit, it says in Romans 8, that verse 11, but if the Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, right? Jesus is the firstborn from the dead. We are going to rise from the dead, have a glorified body. We're going to reign with Jesus. It says the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead, if he dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal body. The same Holy Spirit that dwells in you right now will one day animate your whole entire body and make you completely like Jesus. There will be one day when your physical body and your soul and everything will be transformed to be completely Christ-like. But we're not there yet, are we? But I want you to understand something. You're already a new cosmos. You're already a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. This is why you can say the resurrection has already happened. Jesus is alive. The kingdom has come. Heaven has invaded earth. And where is heaven residing? In you, righteousness has already been preached and revealed and established on the earth. Where is it? In you. Where is the kingdom breaking into the world? In you. How do you get righteousness fruit on the earth? You plant a righteousness seed. God in his brilliance realized that the source of the, of the fountainhead, the spring of water, is our human spirit. Everything in this world is corrupted and broken because it's flowing from us. You're like, no, I thought it was the other person. No, no, it's you, right? The thing problem in, 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 in your marriage is you. Okay, no, okay, there's a whole other thing. And so what did he choose to do? He said, I'll cure you at the core, at the source. I'll plant my righteousness, not your own, my righteousness inside of you. And from that place, you will live and produce righteousness on the earth. It's really true, isn't it? You say, but Dave, what about the thing that Paul calls the true? Bottom line is our soul still is broken. Our soul is still broken. Our body is still messed up and this world is still messed up. But God has already broken in. Paul calls it the flesh. It means everything not connected to the life of God. It means all your old habits. It's not necessarily referring to your physical body like that's evil or something like that. It's referring to all your habits and wrong ways of thinking and all that brokenness in you. It's why, for example, I've been going after that sin consciousness, right? That shame, that condemnation. If you're not guilty of sin, then why do you feel that way? It's your soul. If you're righteous, how come you don't live like it all the time? Because of your soul, right? There's still wrong ways of thinking that need to be changed in us. That's why Romans 12, if we'll throw that up there, says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, you still got some jacked up ways of thinking and some jacked up ways of doing stuff. Yeah, just because you're righteous in Christ doesn't mean you're going to be good with your finances automatically. Just because you're righteous in Christ doesn't mean you're going to talk nice to your wife. But if I say to you, love your wife as Christ of the church, that's like telling a man with no legs to walk unless what? Christ is in me. Talking to Christians or anyone, about doing the right thing if they're not righteous is like telling a man with no legs to walk. But what's the difference now? He's empowered you. Do it. You are becoming who you already are. 
you now have legs. You are not a frog, you are a bird in, in my metaphor, right? And so now when I say fly, you can fly. But is it your power, your righteousness? No, no. When I lay hands on somebody and they get healed, who was it that healed them? Jesus, through me. Okay, I'm telling you that we cannot understand justice to the nations or healing or holiness or purity without understanding this. This is the cure. And you walk in this reality. Yes, you have a flesh, but guess what? Paul said your flesh has been crucified and is dead. Paul de-emphasizes that. He doesn't go, like most Christians are like, most Christians, the sermon would go something like this. Yeah, yeah, you're born again, you're righteous. But we've got this sin and this flesh. I mean, most Christians would be 80% spending time on how messed up and broken you are. Guess what? No! Because when you walk in that sin consciousness and you walk in your lack and you and you and you, that's walking in the flesh. Legalism, flesh. But when you align yourself with the reality that I am righteous, the seed has been planted, I truly am born again, and you live in that reality, that reality will affect everything else. And this is what the church needs to do, to live from the Spirit out. It would change the way we relate to God, to each other, and it would cause us to be the force on the earth. What happens when the church forgets this? They become salt that's lost its saltiness. They become a light that's lost its light. That's under a basket. This is what's happened to the church. We're walking around telling people why they're bad or something or all these commandments we need to follow instead of preaching the gospel. How can Christians be like Christ? Because remember, he's the light of the world and we're to be the light of the world. It's this. It's realizing you already are. And so yeah, we're going to talk about how do you overcome that old man. I mean, basically he's a dead man. He's called the old man. Paul says, throw him off. So there you go. I'm going to do a whole sermon on how to throw a dead guy off your body. There it is. I got an idea for you. I can tell you right now. Just throw him off. Okay, there you go. But no, we'll, we'll explain it. Because obviously, we're all in process. This is what the Bible means by you are positionally holy and you are in process. Listen, you're becoming who you already are. So the wrong way of thinking is, oh, 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 like I am holy, but I'm not really. No, 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 no. If you're sinless, how can you be any more? How can you be any more sinless than you are right now? If God loves you perfectly like he loves Jesus, how can he love you anymore? Okay, watch. So, anything that God ever does in your life from this point forward, he's already provided for at the cross and put into you by his spirit. The Bible says you have all you need for life and godliness right now. And it's through the promises of God. It's promised and it's in you. Okay, you have an inheritance. So watch. So let's say you want to be more honest or you want to love your wife more or you want to be more pure or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand that desire. In fact, we need hunger and desire. We need to confess sin. We need all that kind of stuff. Wonderful, wonderful. Jesus has to correct us and totally, okay? He's coming at us to like cut off dead things on us, right? We're like a tree and he's like, oh, I got to cut that dead thing off of you. But it's just a dead thing. It's just a dead thing he needs to cut off so that his life can be produced in you. But watch. The moment, let's say that, Rob, uh, tomorrow you're like more pure. <laughs> you know, I'm just being silly, right? Like, like you're more honest tomorrow. Like all of a sudden you're like, you're like oh, I'm such a, a, a man of God all of a sudden. You know, no, I'm joking. It obviously doesn't happen all of a sudden. But let's just say Rob, like, right. What God did, it does in him tomorrow, he already is today. You're simply becoming who you already are. So whatever, whatever holiness, for example, you will become, you already have in Christ. Do you understand that? Do you realize all the anointing, all the power, all the authority, all the victory, all the freedom you have is already provided for and already 
appropriated to you in Christ by his spirit. So how come I fall short a lot? Or how come when I lay my hands on somebody, they get healed one time, but then they don't, somebody else doesn't get healed? Why should that surprise us? Why are we surprised when, we, when, there's, when the kingdom breaks in and changes people's lives, but then it doesn't seem to fully manifest? Why? Because we're in process. And then we go, oh, I prayed for that person, and then they got healed, and they, I prayed for this person. They didn't get healed, and maybe it's not God's will to heal. Or maybe it is, and there's an inbreaking of his kingdom, and we're simply in process. Like, maybe that's why you're walking in holiness to some degree. If I'm talking to a bunch of believers here, think about it. If there's, if there's a righteous seed in you, there's got to be righteous fruit. If there's no fruit, you need to receive the seed, right? But just because you have one fruit, you might not have, you might say, oh, Michelle over there, she's got like, full trees of fruit over here, and I got like one fruit. Oh, you still got fruit though, right? So we're gonna, we'll talk about this. We'll talk about how do you walk this out. But the point is, sure, you have a flesh, sure, you have soul and body, still needs to be renewed and all that, but the point is what? It's true. You really are perfect and righteous and sinless in Christ because of him, because of his blood, and he really does delight in you. And that reality is the seed which will produce fruit and transform and heal your soul, and your body, and your life, and your family, and our city, and our nation. Amen? Amen. Yes. That is why we're not ashamed of the gospel. Come on up. 